This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshery and PJ Zuko. Glad to have y'all hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a lot to dive into. Wednesday, I just pulled a Kevin. Wednesday afternoon. Got a lot to dive into here today. Uh, we're going to catch up with Spencer Hall from the SEC Network, also host of the Shutdown Fullcast. Should be joining us uh, relatively shortly here. Uh, also going to dive into some NFL news. Could the Jags have a new coach coming up? quicker than maybe we thought in a name a lot of Jaguars fans should know. But Cam, I find it fascinating how narratives change. And I want to start here in a place we don't usually start, which is college basketball. And no, we're not talking about the fact that Georgia upset Alabama last night, even though we probably could spend a whole segment talking about that. But we're not going to talk about that, no. What we're going to talk about is the fact that when all of these schools and sponsorships and scholarship opportunities uh, and outside of high school and college opportunities for these basketball players started popping up, everyone thought that was going to hurt college basketball, right? You can't have players leaving college basketball. It's going to take the best guys off the board, and it's going to hurt the ratings of college basketball. I'm starting to look at some of these predictions for the 2022 draft for the NBA, and I'm seeing Gonzaga and Northwestern and a bunch of these power five schools and a bunch of G five schools. If we're looking at it from a college football perspective, but I'm seeing a bunch of guys who are currently playing NCAA basketball. I'm not seeing these elite pay to play high school players that are going up there. So it seems like the narrative so far, at least has proven to be false. Like obviously we see like the ball brothers who don't go to school, go off to Europe to play, come back in some circumstances and are now playing really well in the league. But in your mind, I know you're a basketball fan at any level. In your mind, is it just something that's going to take some more time to develop, or is this just reality of such a small percentage of players are going to go off for that scholarship money in high school that we're still going to see a majority of the guys coming out of college basketball? No, nah, it's the reality. Um, that's what it is. I mean, you go to college to not just get paid but to develop. I think when you go to the G League, that's the route that most players are going or trying to go. It doesn't work out. If you look at the last, like last year, you only had two players um, that got drafted out of the G League, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who plays for the Golden State Warriors. And this year, I don't think you'll have any player coming out the G League this year. You got Scoot Henderson, who's too young to come out. And outside of that, you might have Jaden Hardy, who's in the G League. He'll be a top 10 pick. But that's it. Just two players that are really good that followed that kind of like high school rule as far as, okay, we're going to go to the G League, make our 500K, then go to the league. It doesn't work out that way because college teaches you a lot of different things. When Coach K is teaching you and Mark Few and, and you got Tom Izzo at Michigan State and Penny Hardway at Memphis, that's different than what you're getting in the G League. And you're seeing some of the best players in the country, whether they're seniors or juniors. That's why you continue to see, like you said, the Gonzagas, and teams of that nature and players from there. Like college basketball – I didn't think you'd ever get back to where it's at right now. It's lost its lust the past two, three years, but it's back. I can actually say that. So I'm looking at the 2022 NBA mock draft from ESPN Plus, and it's all based off ESPN's FPI or BPI, excuse me, draft projections. Uh, and it has the Magic number one, and it's Chet Holgram from Gonzaga going number one. Uh, you have Paulo Banchero from Duke, Jabari Smith from Auburn, Jalen Duran from Memphis, Jaden Ivey from Purdue, Keegan Murray. From Iowa, Shadon Sharp from Kentucky, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky, and Ben Mathurin from Arizona. So, I mean, mm -hmm. again, the narrative was 
we're going to see the top players moving away from college basketball, or the top picks in the NBA draft aren't going to play college basketball. They're going to go off and sign, what was it? There's a couple like $500,000 deals, like, mm-hmm. like a $750,000 deal of players in high school going to play for these schools, making all that money, and then going to the NBA, theoretically. I, I'm not seeing any of their names in the top 10, at least. And that's, again, that's projections. I don't think you will. The only player, player that I see that happening this year may be Jaden Hardy that plays for G League at night. But the three guys you listed, those are by far, like, the best players, even coming out of high school. They were the three best players. That could go either way. Hunger could go one, Ben Carroll could go one, or Jabari Smith, who's a Georgia, Georgia native, who I'm rooting for personally yeah. at Auburn. He could go one. It's It's gotten back to these guys are coming in college, and they're not necessarily looking to – per se, boost their draft stop. You know, everybody is. But they're coming back for, like, the love of the game. You can see the love of the game for college basketball has kind of changed this year compared to last year where I think a lot of freshmen were coming in and it was just like, we're just here to be here. Like, I'm not going to name any names, but it's 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 a few Georgia players that I saw last year that were extremely good in high school, kind of went to a big school and just was like, I'm here. And that's it, not really competing. Again, I just I found it fascinating because I saw that graphic come out today from ESPN Plus again doing a mock draft uh, for the NBA draft, and I was like, I don't see blankety blank prep. I don't see small town in Slovakia, right? It's mm-hmm. just it's it's college after college after college after college. Now, obviously, if there's like a Luka Doncic out there, they're going to go out there and find him, mm-hmm. right? But it just doesn't seem like there's one of the Ball brothers going to play in Europe and coming back this year. It seems like for and maybe this is just a one year trend. It seems like you said college basketball is finding its groove again. And maybe that was just the coaches having to reacclimate to recruiting. Or what my first thought was NIL. Yeah. The fact that I can now go to Kentucky and make a million dollars if I'm good enough, right? In a year. And if I could get my NIL deal. Like again, I know I've said this story before, but Lane Kiffin at SEC Media Days was blown away because Bryce Young had a six-figure deal in place before he even started for Alabama. Or seven-figure yeah. deal, like almost a million-dollar deal in place before he ever started a game for Alabama. Now that's the reality. So I just I said it when these leagues started coming out where they were going to base it off of the best high school players and get them to come to their leagues and then transition on to the NBA. When the NIL came out, I was like, that might be a tough blow for them, unovercomable kind of a blow. Because, listen, the old money is always going to be mm-hmm. there, and college basketball is the old money. And now you threaten them, NIL comes out. I'm not saying, you know, one had to do with the other. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. NIL is allowed, and all of a sudden, you can go to Kentucky, you can go to Duke, you can go to North Carolina, you can make your thousands of dollars. And then if you're good enough, you go to the NBA, or, hey, maybe if you are a – borderline NBA guy, you can mm-hmm. stay at a Duke or a North Carolina for four years, make your cheese for four years, and then if the NBA doesn't work out, you got a degree and you've made cash all four years. Yeah, NIL, it changed the game for college athletes in general. It definitely uh, it definitely changed the game for college athletes in general. Like, I will say that. And also, you got to think of, think of it from a kid's perspective. Like, you get to go to college. I'm not going to say all the perks of being in college. Yeah. But it's fun, to college, it's, it's fun to go you know, to college. Nice, nice, you know, nice, you know, women on campus and, hey. you know, good friends. Whichever and way, good food, whichever way, whatever. A lot boat. of traveling. Yeah. You know, that's that's what kids are looking for, for it too. But, you know, on a serious note, those guys are going to get coached by the best of the best. Coach K, Izzo, um, t- um, Mark Free. Yeah, um, la- last Free. chance to be coached by Coach yeah, K. Yeah, la- last chance. But, I mean, this might be 
best team he's had in a long time, too. But these kids, they're coming to college to kind of compete as well. Like, I can make money while being in college, like seeing friends and meeting new people mm -hmm. and traveling. Whether in the G League, you're stuck in that one place. I got a, a friend that's in the G League. You're stuck in that one place, and you kind of got to abide by the rules of, okay, yeah, you're, we're you're here. You're a pro. Yeah. You're a pro now. When in college, you're making money as you're still a kid before you go to the pros. It's just that transition, and I think it's a lot smoother anyway. You haven't really seen the, oh, we have like 10 players coming from the G League um, following like the little college, the high school rule going to the G League coming into the draft. You see like one or two players, and that's literally it. Literally it. So it's not really impressive, especially last year. All your picks last year were from college outside of um, Jalen Green who went to the G League, and then Jonathan Kaminga, who did it. And one of the Ball brothers, LaMelo, he wanted to go to college. Right. He just couldn't go anymore because he had already signed that deal when he was in high school with his shoe. It is fascinating because I think we are at a, I don't want to say crossroads for sports, but it's just, it's a, it's one of those things where it's changing right in front of you and so much is changing that it's hard to completely wrap your mind around how much what we consume every day is changing. Now, what you see on the court, on the field, whatever you watch, that hasn't changed too much, but it's how it's being presented to you, and it's how we're getting to that that is rapidly, rapidly changing. I mean, to watch an NFL game this past weekend, if you didn't, if you weren't watching it just on terrestrial TV, like if you didn't have the TV package, you needed four different subscription services mm -hmm. to go out there and watch the games this weekend. It's changing like that. Uh, with the NILs coming in, it it's... Again, I said it was kind of the, the new money versus the old money. There were a lot of things that got kind of put on display during COVID when it came out about just basically this all comes down to money and here's how the money's mm -hmm. earned. Here's how we get the money out of this. And a lot of companies tried to come out, not even companies, I should say conglomerates, new leagues tried to start during COVID, but you've seen the old money, i.e. the NBA, college basketball, college football, change how they operate to make sure they remain on top. You saw the SEC try, or not even try, make a power move to add Oklahoma and Texas and just the consolidation of power. And then you see these leagues that were a threat to college basketball, and then NIL comes out, and it, it was just a, a death note for those leagues. So in it's college, just, you have 40 to 50,000 right. people watching you at games in mm -hmm. G League. It's an it's a empty gym at G League games. Correct. Like if you go, you might have like a hundred people there, and about thirty-five of those are scouts. Right. And that's a totally different thing. Where you walk into a gym and you see a slew of people just cheering you on for wherever it is. I, you may, you know, an hour, hour and a half, however long. Well, those the NCAA's are. biggest money maker by far is the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah. Like far and away, March Madness is its biggest money maker. So if you talk about being on a stage, you want to be on the G League or you want to be in the Sweet Sixteen. Like I think those are yeah. those are two pretty different stages, but it it didn't used to matter, right? Like it used to be, if I want to make money, I got to get to the NBA. Now think about what it means to be one of the starting five on a Sweet Sixteen team in terms of value for your name, mm -hmm. right? Imagine Zion in college right now, all the money he oh would my have goodness. been making because what did he bring to Duke? Like I don't know over exact, hundreds yeah. of millions. I, I mean, I'm sure the one night they played UNC. I think he over he brought in like over a hundred million dollars. Imagine if he was at Duke, the money he'll be making right right now. It just changes the game. You're on a different platform. You can't even if you want to watch a G League game tonight. Do you know where you could go to watch it? 
Can't go on NBA TV. ESPN Plus? I don't know. It was it's it's like on some of the you know the bootleg streaming networks <laughs> and stuff like that. Like Cam, you, how do you know about this? You have to I know. You have to do your you have to do your research to find those. And sometimes ESPN Plus, but that's the point. If I want to watch college basketball, I turn right to you know on Direct TV two oh six. ESPN. Turn to um channel two or forty six for C B S. But it's just and, and it's just gonna change more and more because now Apple is getting into the live sports mm -hmm. game, and there's been talks about them either partnering or just straight up buying ESPN. Uh, there, you have Amazon that is heavily getting into live sports. They're gonna they've bought Thursday Night Football from the NFL, and on top of that, you know who's still out here doing it, getting contracts? Like we talk about, like the James Hardens of the world, and like could Tom Brady get another deal? And we're talking about uh, Devontae Adams coming up on his second big deal, right? You know who's out here still doing it? Al Michaels. Gotta be in his 80s, and he's been the voice of football. He's oh. he's. Do you believe in miracles? I mean, it's mm -hmm. Al Michaels, and he's still out here doing it. He is in line for one of the biggest broadcaster deals ever. Do you know who is fighting over him right now? Who? Amazon and ESPN. Amazon is trying to get. Can you? But can you imagine how good that feels to wake up and have Amazon, which is like the most powerful company in the world, battling with ESPN to see who can give you the most money to go talk about football one day a week. That's kind of tough. That's actually So really either tough. Al Michaels will be doing Thursday night football on Amazon or he'll be doing Monday night football reportedly for ESPN, and it's up to him. Whatever's the more lucrative deal. Does anybody have it better than Al Michaels is the so, question. Oh, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Al Michaels <laughs> looks to his left, he's like, win. He looks to his yeah. right, he's like, win. He's like, oh, you're not going to stay where I'm at. Win. That's that's a sweet deal. Like either way, you're still doing NFL. Well, I guess that's what happens when you have like the greatest call in the history of sports broadcasting. I would choose Monday night. That's just me. Thursday nights are kind of boring. They're kind of boring. Monday nights usually suck too, though. Like let's be. They're real. not worse than Thursday. Let's be. Let's be you know, real. You know, you want to see the. Well, I can't say the Bengals and Jags well, do you think, anymore. Do you think? Because you're right. For the most part, it's been bad, bad <laughs> matchups on Thursday night. Do you yeah. think Amazon is like cutting the NFL a bigger check saying you need, we need some marquee matchups? I, I hope so. I, I think we've seen a marquee matchup one Thursday night. Was it not the Rams and Cardinals one time this mm -hmm. year on a Thursday night? That's a, I mean, that's that's working towards it. But I would like to see more marquee matchups. You see it every blue moon. I remember the Falcons when they were, you know, kind of good back in the day. A couple of years ago, they played somebody on a Thursday night. That was pretty good. Um, but they do need to get that together. I don't understand why you don't have a primetime game on Thursday and a primetime game on Monday. Nobody wants to see the Steelers and the Raiders or the Steelers well, and the Browns. Well, to be fair, they don't know how great everybody's going to be before the season <laughs> starts. So, like, hey, we already got the schedule out there. I don't want to see the Browns. Well, I mean, people thought the Browns were going to be good this year. I don't know why. You got Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield. and no. no, no, no. You got Nick Chubb. And Miles Garrett. You got Jadavian, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett. Not Baker Mayfield, man. I, I love Baker, but. Do you love Baker? Yeah, I like them. Are you college. saying that? No, I liked them in college. All I right. did. I did. All right, let's take a quick break here. We're going to come back. We'll try to uh, locate Spencer Hall. Uh, also, I did some research for PJ because he says he doesn't like dealing in hyperbole yesterday. And so I was like, all right, let's not deal in hyperbole. Let's go and look and, and get some numbers here. We'll come back. I did some research for PJ. We'll break down what it means next right here on Second Down. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. PJ, you got a little defensive yesterday. I tend to do that. From time you to time. said uh, you said you weren't willing to go hot take on us here and say that this past divisional round was the 
greatest divisional round of all time. You said, I've got to do my research. I don't speak in hyperbole. I don't want to do a B.J. Bennett where I just come out here and say, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Because, I mean, every single year, yeah. every no, every single year there's a better quarterback in college football, like the best quarterback of all time in college football, according to B.J., mm-hmm. right? Because B.J. Bennett is very much a stat, box score kind of guy, right? P.J. more of an emotional, absorb, watch, compare to history, don't want to get overly anal- analytical with it, just absorbing the sport and then providing his thoughts on it, right? So two different kinds of focus, and I respect both of them there. So what I did, PJ, is I went back to 1990. There we go. When the biggest change to the playoff happened, it looks the most similar to the playoff system we have now. So I went back to the 1990 season. Only twice since 1990 has a divisional round featured four games that were all one score each. Okay, this is what I like to hear. None of them, none of them were each of them walk-offs. Right. Like we saw this past week. Okay. All right? right. So so you're still with me? Yeah. Now, I have three options here to present to you. Two of them are the divisional rounds that I just mentioned that had four one-score games. And then, of course, this one we just saw. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I'll present the last one to you at the end. But we're going to start <laughs> with the 2003-2004 divisional round of the playoffs. Remember, this is the beginning of the Tom Brady era, uh, the in the midst of the Peyton Manning era of college or of college football of the NFL. So we had this that year. We had the Patriots at the Titans. Patriots won that one, 17 to 14. We had the Colts at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Colts won that 38-31. to We had the Carolina Panthers in double, double overtime at St. Louis win that one 29-23. That was Jake DeLone? Is that Jake DeLone? That is yeah. Jake DeLone, but that's also against the greatest show on turf. Yeah. yeah. And the St. Louis Rams. Uh, and then we had the Philadelphia Eagles, Donovan McNabb, right. 20-17 over Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau in overtime. Yeah. So you had... Mm. Four one-score games. Yeah. Two of them went to overtime. One of them went to double overtime. Right. We had one overtime game yep. this past weekend. All right, so I'm just putting that one out there. So there's that. It's pretty that's, solid. That's 2003-2004. Let's fast forward a lot. Uh, we are going to go to 2015-2016 divisional round. We had Tom Brady versus Alex Smith in Arrowhead. Uh, the Patriots won that one 27-20. Oh, that was the year before Mahomes. Yes. I think. Yeah, and I okay. think... I think I could be wrong. Actually, let me see if I can click here real quick. 2015 Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's the team. Eric Berry, Tom Bali, mm-hmm. Justin Houston, Travis Kelsey, Marcus Peters, Derek Johnson. Nasty. Uh, they were 11 and five in the regular season, and the week before had beaten the Texans 30 to nothing. The, I know a lot of people now just talk about the leg injury and whatnot, but man, Alex Smith led some great offenses. No, oh, for sure. He he led some incredible offenses too. I mean that would that that offense was explosive and fun he to was watch. The number one pick over Rodgers in that draft. Yeah. San Francisco guy. Went out so. of Utah with uh, old Urban Meyer. Uh and he was the team MVP that year. So again I've just I've always been very frustrated. I feel like know. a lot of people try and put that like game management yeah. on Alex Smith and No, that's no. not that's not fair at all. Yeah. But that was the first of the divisional round games. And then uh later that day you had the Carolina Panthers. That was Cam Newton. They yeah. won thirty-one to twenty-four in Seattle over Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom. Yeah, so you yeah. had that game. Right. Uh, then you had 
Let's see. Yeah, then you have the Denver Broncos 23-16 to over Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. So that's Peyton Manning against mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger in the playoffs. PJ looks like he remembers that game vividly. Yeah, I mean, with any Broncos-Steelers game, too, I just automatically go back to the Tim Tebow thing. Yeah, well, this one was a little bit after that. Um, Still not yeah. great. And I think that was a wild card matchup, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you also had the Cardinals get an overtime win, 26-20. to Green Bay had a rough, has had a rough time in the playoffs. Get a 26-20 to walk-off overtime win over the Green that, Bay Packers. That's the Hail, Hail Mary, Mary game. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I remember that now. I this was, is the year... Carolina and the Broncos played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. and then the week after, so yeah, so the week after this, Carolina absolutely massacred Arizona. Arizona yeah. Right, Dang. like fifty points, I believe. I who game. was uh, who was a quarterback for that team? Arizona. Yeah, at that point, was that Carson Palmer? I think no, was that was uh, that was uh, was that still the remnants of um, Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner. Oh, really? still Kurt Warner. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Let me. See. I can. Probably, I can tell you. Probably was. No, it was Carson Palmer. Oh, it was Carson Cam, Palmer. Cam, yeah. nailing it. Okay. I man, know I forgot Fitz. about it. We man, for everybody, of, everybody of forgot people. everybody forgot about that team after the NFC championship. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It, with with good reason. They had you know, a decent got they had a decent team, man. They, that was a decent team. But that was Cam in their year. And then, you know, the Broncos doing their thing. Until it wasn't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see Until he met Von Miller. Oh, because I remember that Hail Mary Rogers threw up. Forty nine to fifteen. Massive. That was Carolina over the Cardinals there. Uh, so again, that was that Who's was Carolina's that only loss that year in the regular season. Do you remember? Come on, Christian Falcons. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to remember the game. I'm trying to remember the game. It was Julio Mossing over Luke Keekly. Over Luke Keekly. Yeah. I was at that game. Yeah. Set wins. I was at that yeah. game. Yeah. Nice. That's what I'm there. talking about. All right. So those are the two that I think certainly have to be up there. But there's one more divisional round that I think. Really, because of one game, if we're talking about the greatest divisional round ever, because of one game, has to be considered here. What is it? What's the Kansas guess? City and Texans? No. No? Okay. Cool. Do you care to hazard a guess? No. I'm going to read the I'd other... Just hear I'm going re- to read the other three games before we get to it, because it was a super okay... Uh, it was a super okay divisional round. Okay. You had the Steelers go 27-10 to 10 over Baltimore. You had... The Eagles 33 to 19 over the Bears at Soldier Field. And then once again, you had the Packers losing in Lambeau. Uh, the Rams 45 to 17 over Green Bay. But the one that made it iconic. What year is this? 2001, 2002. Oh, wow. Oh. The I one know. that made it iconic. 2001, 2002? Yep. You said, oh, like you knew. No, it. no, 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 no. I didn't know. The Tuck Rule. Yep. Oh, Brady Patriots, and the Raiders. Raiders. You had Gruden. Belichick, what well, Rich Gannon for the yeah, Raiders? Rich yeah, Gannon. for the Raiders, and then you have Tom Brady getting sacked by Charles Woodson. And <laughs> is it a fumble? Is it, uh, his arm coming forward in the snow? I think Brady threw for three hundred yards in that game. Yeah, uh, but you win that one, sixteen to thirteen in overtime. Was that Adam Vinatieri walk off field yep. goal in that one? That in was the, snow? the start. Of yeah, the in the Adam snow. Vinatieri so legend. like, just because that's the launching off point, <laughs> and you had a rule change. Come out of that one. I, w- I want to put it up there. Like, it's this is iconic, one of the most iconic moments in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Changed football. Yeah. Un- understandable. It changed football. So, do any, any of those surpass what we just witnessed? Because you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say it. 
and I'm not I'm not prone to hyperbole either. I'm gonna say no. I think really? what we just saw was the best because I'm just talking beginning to end. And think about we kind of talked about this uh, a couple of days ago. The different kind of games you had. You had just the two guys headbutting each other in a alleyway, which was the Titans and the Bengals. Like that was just nobody actually knows how to fight, but both guys are too tough to quit. Kind of a football game. Uh, yeah. And then you had just the freezing cold blizzard defense game with the Packers and the 49ers. Nobody could do anything. Temperatures were frigid. And then you just had the offensive explosions on Sunday. Yeah. And like the last, the last minute combined, last 60 seconds of Rams, Bucks, and Chiefs, Bills. That's like yeah. football ecstasy. Right. Yeah. Unless you're a defensive coordinator. Yeah, well, if you're a defensive coordinator, you didn't like that. Team. It's about like stylistically, what kind of football do you like as well? Um, at which, which I understand. I think, like you said, you got like two very different, two or three very different uh, kind of brands of football this weekend, which, which is is great in a lot of veins. Um, I do. I I am one that thinks kind of the the Saturday showcase, even though they were walk off games. Uh, I think the Saturday showcase kind of kind of brings the quality of weekend down a little bit. Like, I'll say Lambeau Field, the two classic uh, tr- traditional teams going after each other and in the snow. I mean, the, the field was just incredible. But also, it's like it's kind of frustrating because it was wild. You had some blocked kicks and stuff like that, but it's also kind of frustrating because, you know, it's just you're watching like Jimmy Garoppolo not really do anything and, and get through and win, and Aaron Rodgers doing all he can do and and obviously not be able to win either. I think that's somewhat frustrating, but uh, again, defensively good showings. And I, I think really like the Bengals-Titans game, if one player can, can, can kind of ruin the quality of a game, Ryan Tannehill certainly tried. Um, so like I think if you're talking about one day, like one day of football, Sunday was incredible. Sunday was to me like everything you want. And it's not just because more points were scored either. It's just the the style of games you had and how they finished off. Uh, that, I think, is why I might go with... Now, I wish I could go back and watch because I'd love to see to see some of those. But you talk about the teams, you talk about the stars they had um, and, and the kind of games. Also, one game going into overtime, another game going into double overtime. I might go all the way back to that 2003-2004 divisional round and call that the best. I think I might. That's fair. Like yeah, said, the greatest, you, had three, like, you had three overtime yeah, periods. Greatest show on turf. You have Donovan Nab and those Eagles. You have the Panthers and, and Jake DeLoman, who they had. I don't, I don't, know. I don't, the, I don't the, know if we need to throw Jake DeLoman there. But that's fair. Yeah, he was pretty solid. They went to the Super Listen, Bowl that he year, was, He was pretty solid for a couple years. Like, he had a couple years, all right? I don't but, know give how him they that. went to the Super Bowl that year, though. That year, they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and almost beat them. Yeah, they lost no. by, I think, we're, we're almost talking about Jake DeLome's Super Bowl winning quarterback, by the way. So, like, put respect on, on a little bit of his name they for a couple Steve years. Smith, but I think, yeah, Steve Smith and um was that Titans team? Uh, was that Eddie George? Yeah, yeah. Yes. on that team? Yes. I mean, like, yes. so, like, mm. pretty solid, pretty solid team there. Pretty, like, I, I don't know. I think maybe it's just me not wanting to overact, overreact and, and, call one weekend that just happened like maybe uh, there's yeah, sometimes that's, that's, where it's uh, like Steve McNair and Steve McNair there you go. Eddie George that's what a lot of t- sometimes that, I can have hold like, on 
Was that was that Ben Troop era? No. No, that's the year before, right? Yeah. yeah. Damn, ben probably. said he's never gotten a playoff win. He, but, yo, they didn't win this one. They didn't win. Oh, so, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, th- there is with me, I do have a little bit of, like, anti it's funny. It's like anti-recency bias where it's almost like, uh, like you were describing at first. It's like everyone's freaking out about something. And I'm like, man, can we just give it some time? Like everyone's freaking out about some new album. And I'm just like, I don't even want to listen to it right now. Cause everybody's just freaking Ooh, out about over it. How cool is the name? Greatest show on turf. That's a cool football, like name, a nickname. We don't do that anymore. Like the last great yeah. name we had is Legion of Boom. That's cool. That was gone, yeah. That was the best one. Now that was the best one. I love the Legion. Is of Is it the best could, one, or is it like the Purple People Eaters? Nah, Legion of Boom. I Purple People could, Eaters. Legion the Boom. Monsters of the Midway. They were lit. Yeah. Like when they beat Crabtree and them in the, the playoffs. Monsters of the Midway. Richard Sherman. He's yelling at the freaking camera. Well, you know what? Yeah. You know what the worst yeah. part about that is is the the best player on those defenses wasn't actually a part of the Legion of Boom. Are you talking about Bobby Wagner? Bobby Wagner. Yeah. 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 He wasn't a part of it. Yeah, and he was sadly. always like kind of always overlooked. He, he had guys around him too that too. were making. Yeah, when they sure. got him, he was like could. So I think a rookie in his second year, he didn't really play. It was like KJ Wright and Sherman and only yeah. uh, the play I mean, in my mind Sherman that always sticks out about KJ Wright is just getting absolutely mossed by Gronk in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like they flexed Gronk out to the outside, and you're like. Are they really going one on one with? Oh, that's a touchdown! Like before the snap, yeah, it was a touchdown. Yeah, uh, my favorite player was Earl Thomas. Off the Legion of Boom. Oh yeah, I he, love Earl. Yeah, he was a monster. Hasn't been the same since he broke that leg. Yeah, him and well, no, nah, yeah. him and Cam Chancellor. Like I know Cam, Cam Chancellor was just a big hit machine. He was a no, monster. Cam Chancellor didn't hit you; he massacred you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I, I loved. Yeah. yeah, I loved watching it every single time. I mean, could like you were talking about the the ones from this year, the teams from this year, and the finishes we had. Could we be watching? Like it's almost like you, you don't want to name them this because of the respect of the first one. Uh, I really feel like we are currently watching the greatest show on turf point two. Like every time I see the Kansas City Chiefs take oh, the field. Yeah. Every single time. I just think the like only you think they're gonna go for fifty whatever they had Marshall the Falk back then and Tory Holt and um Isaac Bruce. Yeah. They have Tyreek Hill, Kelsey and Mahomes. They just missing the back now. Like there's no Marshall. Hey, Marshall are, Clyde like, that's or, what I'm saying. Or Jared McKinnon. Jared McKinnon's been solid. that guy. I think this yeah Jared McKinnon's been more solid than um Delaire yeah. um Yeah Jared McKinnon's lately. been that guy for him. But I don't know, man. It's just I I compare them not to a I know I said this before. I don't compare them to any other offenses I've ever seen in football. I compare them to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. They're because tough. no lead is safe. No. They're there. Like, literally, what other team are you scoring a touchdown against with 13 seconds to go and you're actually concerned? Did right. you see the little no. thing where they posted a video and Mahomes is like Kelsey's like Travis Kelsey's crazy because he said, mm-hmm. Tariq Hill, run that screenplay. We're going to get this. And then he told Mahomes the next play, the seam's going to be wide open. Seam was open. Yeah, they had, the uh, so they had Kelsey mic'd up, for those of you who haven't seen it. Crazy. And so the two plays were the quick just little out route to Tyreek Hill, which he had Kelsey lead blocking for him. And then you obviously had the seam catch. But before that, on the sideline, mm-hmm. you have Travis Kelsey walking up to Tyreek Hill saying, hey, if they play you like this, go here. If they play mm-hmm. on the outside, go here. Follows him exactly. Travis Kelsey blocks. And then you hear Tony Romo in the background like, oh, oh, they have a chance. Oh, they have a chance. Still had the timeout there because, again, I think that's a good sign of quarterback play from Patrick Mahomes, maintaining the timeouts all the way until the end. And then you have the next, the seam route where Patrick Mahomes comes to, or uh, Travis Kelsey goes to Patrick Mahomes during the timeout, and he says to him, he's like, hey, if they play like this, it seems open. And then before the snap, you hear Patrick Mahomes saying, do it, Kels, do it, Kels, do it, Kels. First down, 
field goal range. Harrison Bucker nails it, and then we we know they the rest of the story. Supposed to lose that. Yeah, yeah. They but like the, the other day, he like Kelsey. Kelsey was like. Also, he's like, whatever route's called, I'm probably not going to run it because yeah. the seam's going to be open. Yeah. So he's like straight up being like, yeah, That's I don't what know great what's, yeah, yeah, what's going to be called, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm going on the open spot. And, well, they don't just deviate. They communicate yeah. with yeah, their teammates they and say, it, yeah. hey, here's yeah. what I'm going to do. Of course. I think my favorite uh, my favorite story from like a player having a conversation was Roddy White told Kyle Shanahan it was stupid. So like for those of you who don't remember, the first year of Kyle Shanahan did not go great for the Falcons. I think they yeah. lost. I think it went 8-8. Eight eight that first season and you had like Roddy White towards the end of his career with the Falcons and you have Kyle Shanahan coming in and Shanahan runs a complex offense, right? And so Shanahan comes in and he's like, okay, we're going ace wing, bingo, zip, zap, X cross, Y shallow, bop, 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 across. And Roddy White's like, yeah, we, we just call that Sierra. He's like, that's (laughs) stupid. And it's just like, so it's like the NFL vet who's gotten his contracts. He could talk to the young OC like that. And so like you have Julio Jones, you had Roddy White, uh, I don't was Tony Gonzalez still on that team at that point? But you had you had these great players, and they were like, "Listen, we've been with Matt Ryan for like six, seven years now. We've been we've been catching a lot of footballs from him. I know you're awesome with your play calls and all that kind of stuff, but we know a route concept. <laughs> we don't need Matt Ryan just verbal spewage out for thirty seconds. Why don't we just come up with one name for it? You know, we're pretty smart. And Kyle Shanahan still talks about it. He's he's taken that with him to all of his other jobs since. So he's like saying like. Okay, maybe I just conceptualize stuff down to one call and simplify it for him. I just love that story from Roddy White because he's like, yeah, that's stupid. I still, yeah. I, I still think Shanahan's the best play caller in football by a mile. Like the 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 calls he made against Green Bay Saturday were beautiful. You just have Jimmy G at quarterback. If you had anybody, <laughs> well, else. I wouldn't even say that. Like, I mean, obviously Jimmy G not not great, but. He also hit some wide open guys who just straight oh, yeah. dropped it. Like yeah, George Kittle yeah. had a seam route that he just bounced off of his chest. Mm-hmm. That was so, a touchdown. Uh, I I put Brian Dayball up there. I think Brian Dayball with the Bills has done unbelievable because okay. oh. nobody thought Josh Allen would turn into this. Uh, and so Brian Dayball is really good, but also the combination of Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid is pretty filthy. Sean yep. McVay is nice. Insane. Sean McVay is really good, and we see what happens when you give him like a legit top ten NFL quarterback. Yeah, he went to the Super Bowl. He went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Like, that's the opposite of only winning one with Aaron Rodgers. The fact that you went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, that's pretty impressive. We're way over here. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source on the cover. cover, Front page cover, whatever you want to say, it, of the college football section on ESPN.com. New story out from Harry Lyles Jr., the 2022 college football games we're already looking forward to. You know what number one is on my list? Mm, uh, the Iron Bowl, probably? No, the first one. Georgia and... No, no, literally just like whatever the first oh, college football the, game is. Okay, all right. Coming up this Noted. year. Like right. that, that's, that's numero uno on the list right now. But there are some awesome games coming up in 2022. That's one of my favorite things to do every year is go through and just look at what the matchups are. I remember a couple years back when I was like, holy crap, LSU is playing at Texas this year. Like, that's a really fun matchup, right? Yeah. So I love going through and looking at that. It's past year. I thought Alabama-Miami might have been a little bit closer than it was. Uh, We all saw how that turned out. Now Miami has a new coach. Uh, But just going to go through some of the games that they have mentioned in here. Week one, Notre Dame at Ohio State. Oh, dang. Classic. That's kind of cool. That's that's really cool. I love that. It was like uh, being from there, I I always thought Notre Dame should be in the Big Ten. Uh, uh, Go back to the 2000s 
And how like you had Notre Dame, Michigan all the time. Yeah, Notre that, Dame, it, it Penn beats State, the hell like, out of Notre Dame, Wake Forest. Absolutely, oh, yeah. every time. Anyway, all right. So week one, we're just gonna stay with week one because I can spend three hours here. Uh, you also have Utah at Florida, Ooh, which weird. that could be a yeah. rough start to the Billy Napier era in Florida. It could be like he's like he's got to walk in the office like you guys gonna give me Southeast Missouri State. <laughs> yeah, Utah coming here. Kyle Whittingham and the boys. We on have, the road. We do have what in the swamp? Yeah, it's on the swamp. We Man, have. That's kind of weird. Listen, awesome. That, but that's awesome though. Yeah. We have seven months though for them to pull out of that game, and we've seen that in the past. Not we specifically have. from Florida, but like think about the last four or five years. Aside from the pandemic, there, there's even been other games where some teams are just like, yeah, we're we're gonna pick up New Mexico State instead. Like there there have been matchups like that. All right, also week one, you have West Virginia at Pitt. That could be a fun one. Uh, Kadon Slovis, uh, the former USC starter, he has transferred over uh, to Pitt. I just don't I just don't think West Virginia is going to be very good. How about, Again, another one that you just didn't think about, Cincinnati at Arkansas week one. That's that's a fun one. I can't wait for that. Another weird one, but so, fun. But, but think, about the, think about the two different kind of tracks you have going on there. Is Arkansas mm-hmm. is trying to prove themselves as a legitimate contender in the SEC West. Flip side of that, can Cincinnati do it two years in a row? With no Desmond Ritter. Or, yeah, are they a one shot or one hit wonder? Yeah. Like all so. corners going, no Desmond New defensive Ritter. Backs, yeah. And then Majay Sanders, your defense in yep. going. So let's one, see what they could do. One that I know is hurting BJ Bennett's heart more and more day by day as LSU starts to pick up more and more transfers. Florida State versus LSU. And this one's in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, Give me LSU. No, but it ain't in Baton Rouge. It, 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 That's okay. it ain't in Baton Rouge, it's still in Louisiana. That's okay. So like it's in New Orleans. Probably going to be about eighty percent purple they, and gold. They're going to turn that thing. I mean, out. that Panhandle's not too far away. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That that's still a fun like location matchup for mm-hmm. me. Like I yeah. I really enjoy those sorts of of big matchups between teams like that. I think it beats. Even though I'm looking forward to Oregon Georgia, like I think it beats a matchup like that where it's just all the way from across the country. Here's here's what I'm going to say about Oregon Georgia because that's I I haven't we haven't talked about that one yet. I think this is a chance for Georgia. I know they had in the, they won here in the Peach Bowl, but this is a chance for Georgia to exercise some demons from Atlanta. Yeah. 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 This is also kind of like on a I wouldn't I don't like to say a prove it stage, but like prove the consistency aspect. You just came off a national championship. Now can and you go beat up on Oregon? Not can only you that, go do that. You got a head coach that knows a whole lot about Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so you, you have Lanning versus the, the Bulldogs for the first time. So. Well, and you also have Bo Nix coming back. Oh, true. For, what is this, hey, will, will this be? Oh, boy, Bo played for Oregon. This is his fourth year. Yeah, this will be his fourth shot at Georgia. Yeah, I forgot Bo is at Oregon. Oh, go. man, yeah. I'm definitely excited it's for that intriguing. one, Dad. It's intriguing. I, you know I love Bo. So. Well, definitely think about how he that. started his career Yeah. in Atlanta mm-hmm. against Oregon. Came back, won that game. Who's, against Justin Herbert. Yeah. Who's Alabama got? Week one? Uh, I don't, don't know. They, it, they have to have a premier early matchup. They normally do. Maybe not week one, but. Is it like let me pull Virginia up. Tech? Except for Alabama, like that one year they had like they had like Alabama Duke. And Let's it was like, it. dude, what are we Standings. doing? Standings. don't want to do that. This is my uh, quick navigation skills. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to be beating up on somebody with, oh, yeah. with Bryce. Oh, Jones. baby. Uh, Utah State. Oh, yeah, Utah okay. State. That's about as for no, 50 Utah point State L. got a good <laughs> transfer quarterback in, uh, but week two, they're at Texas. That, okay. That, see, that, it's oh. always early. They, they have a pretty pretty big matchup. They get but, Sark. 
That's kind of cool. Yeah, they're going to get demolished. Like, it's going to be bad. Texas is Another not bad. Another 30-point um, win for saving. Speaking you know? of back, we might want to be back here in a second because I'm just, just kind of... You're looking at the clock, PJ? Reminding, yeah, a little bit here. You're looking at the clock? Uh, yeah. All right, I'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Chris Gokel here. Glad y'all hung out with us here on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, some news from Savannah State. They have begun a nationwide coaching search for the next head coach. Uh, I find that slightly interesting here as we have about less than a minute uh, because, you know, you don't have to do a national search when you already have your head coach there. Uh, I think Russell DeMossi. Is the guy for the job. Said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, but they, they're doing their due diligence. I'll say that. you got to go out and try to figure out what's best for the school. Uh, but hopefully it winds up being Coach Demasi there because I think he can do a good job continuing to build on what Coach Sean Quinn and the rest of that staff uh, has built there at Savannah State. Big show coming up on 3 and Out. They're going to talk about the Byron Leftwich rumors to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The guys will be joined at 3.30 by Tony Richardson, former Kansas City Chiefs fullback. Also at 3.20, they'll be joined by Oliver Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network to talk about his mock draft and where he has the Jaguars and the Falcons going. All that coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. If you miss any portion of our show, you can check it out on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or our YouTube page. Talk to everyone tomorrow.